Ryan's making place. popcorn in in my in my kitchen. That's gonna be great. It's a good way to start. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be good because of um. It's gonna be like we're back at the movie theater seeing Avatar for the third time. Show starting, folks. Um, yeah, uh, end of the year. Here we are. We've we forgot it. a few episodes along the way, but we're here. Yeah, but we got to release a lost episode, which is cool. Right. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a thing. Like a lot of shows, every like every podcast does a lost episode eventually. Yeah, and it was time. And this one was intentional and on the calendar. <laughs> Yeah, well, every lost episode starts out intentional and then gets lost mm-hmm. and then gets posted randomly. That's like the that's the life cycle of a lost episode. Yeah. Yeah. And what a lost episode it was. Uh, I think we talked about something very like timely too. What was it the Game Awards? Awesome. Yeah. But it also, you know, like for like 15 minutes, we mostly just talked about the same <laughs> like we mostly just bullshit around in the normal way. So it was a political statement against degrading the 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 game awards because the real awards are right here right now we're about to do them yeah i think is that what we talked about that's what we talked about it's uh it's time for the 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 boise's 2022 uh okay so folks we're gonna wrap it all up for you a year in review here it is straight from the boys uh of course we're joined by producer haley uh, who has survived yet another year of listening to episodes from the start to the finish. Um, her, so her fortitude yeah. stat is through the ceiling at this point. It's, it's a it's a hero class. Yeah, yeah. No, she's prestige in a major way. It's an it's an elite NPC character. Um, and uh, yeah, we love her. We were. We're, we'd be nowhere without her. We'd be no. We're, we'd be nowhere. We're nowhere anyways. We're like one notch beyond nowhere anyways. But we that notch that questionable notch would be absolutely erased without Haley. But uh, I don't know. I was thinking about games that came out this year, and I, I don't know if like my brain is just a fog from like all of my like personal vices and life choices or like uh, what. But it was really hard to remember what happened this year how about you i had a weirdly similar time where and we can get more into this but i basically was like games that i love this year elden ring and then i started like to move forward through time from there and -hmm. it was just like blurry 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 oh december like four games i really like came out right yeah (laughs) yeah i think that we got like uh men in blacked it does kind of Um, feel that way well it kind of feels like and we've talked about this a little bit over the course of the year that like a lot of this year's big releases got pushed back enough that it just didn't make sense to release them till close to the holidays anyway. And so there was this like explosion of like forbidden West towards the end of fall fucking God of war two, the like the tactics ogre reboot midnight suns. Um, well, Forbidden West came out around Elden Ring, I think. Oh, no, that's true. You're right. Sorry, I got that one mixed up. That one, it came out like five days before Elden Ring. Yeah, right. Sorry, that was, I forgot about that. That one was, a, that one was the unfortunate got fully swallowed up by the Elden Ring magic. But, like, a lot of shit, uh, you know, the this one I will not talk about too much, but, like, the Advanced Wars, re, the Advanced Wars 1 remake, like, all this stuff that was supposed to come out in June, July got pushed back, and so there felt like there was this big gap where, like, I feel like both of us, I mean, me for sure, and I think you too, spent a lot of the middle of the year just like playing older games we hadn't gotten around to or replay experiences. Like for me, like I went, I, I became deeply a part of China, everything they do. Yeah. You joined, uh, you joined the Chinese government. I joined the Chinese government and I, and I, in, and I'm in, in the department of gotcha games. Yes. Yeah. Specifically games that are uh, like roulettes for children. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Genshin impact without the anime guys, just the random treasures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that like everything about gotcha games is so much like being in like a Vegas casino that I, I just wish that you could smoke at the, in them yeah and then it would be it would be perfect it'd also be more, so i'm working on that this year it would also be more like china one of my favorite things about chinese airports this is a, a sort of non sequitur but it's kind of true is that it's okay they we, 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 we'd love to hear about it they sell cigarettes in the airport mm-hmm. but you're not allowed to bring a lighter in so if you want to smoke a cigarette <clears> you have to go into these little rooms that have like to a, make fire a weird they have these weird little machines that look like hand dryers <laughs> Oh, but they're little burners. But they're just little burners. You just stick your little cigarette in there. And it's like you and like 30 Chinese businessmen just like blazing through cigs. That's that's great. Like uh, 
Yeah, the cigarette burner used to be in cars, used to be on all sorts of stuff. No more. Yeah, I mean, uh, one of friend of the show Rory's like favorite things to complain about with the Watchmen movie is that they take out the cigarette burners from the the night owls the, the night owl ship. And so when Silk Spectre starts that fire in the house, it's not because she mm. hit a cigarette, was looking for a cigarette burner and accidentally pressed the fires button. It's just that she pressed a button for no reason and set the garage on fire. One of the many ways the movie goofs it up. Yeah, that that was a walk out of the theater moment for me personally. Don't really know what happened after that. Yeah, you, said, um, you said, why is she even pressing buttons? I got to get out of here. This is. I said, I said, I, well, I love the soundtrack choice, but I am against all of the mise-en-scene. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So um, for me, I was like, okay, I don't remember what even was released this year. So I looked over a lot of people's lists and I was like, no wrong. And then there was like two or three things that I like, I was like, Oh, I, I missed that one. I think a big one that I, that both of us probably missed was tunic, uh, was on a lot of people's game of the year lists. It's like a Zelda like, but apparently it's so much more than that. And then that's kind of like the, the vague review. It's funny that you say that because I just, um, picked that up for the steam deck. Cause I heard oh, it was cool. I haven't played it yet, nice. but I, I heard okay. really good things about it. We'll do we'll do that in January then together. Um, yeah, so there's games like that that was like okay, that's what I definitely missed. And then a few things that you have like mentioned a little bit, but like not fully. We haven't like fully done a deep dive on like Citizen Sleeper yes. and Pent and Pentiment, the mystery yep. game from Obsidian. Um, so there are some things like that. that was like okay, I didn't check those out, but like um, I was looking at the list and I was like, well, these lists are like these lists are not inspiring like horizon forbidden west whatever like stray whatever like stray was fun in its moment but like is stray like suit like a super meaningful and like lasting game for me like no um and so i actually looked through our own podcast episode library for the year Whoa. to see what games we were talking about and that was a whole other list of games i wasn't seeing anywhere else um we, we, and, we walk, uh, we walk yeah. our own path yeah, and it's a lonely road, and Tower of Fantasy was definitely up there for me as one. Um, I don't, I don't know. Are we gonna go? Are we just gonna say what our game of the year is? How do we do this? Um, I think we should maybe do some honorable mentions, stuff that we really liked, talk about, uh, you know, our general thoughts, and then just work our way towards game of the year. Okay, uh, that's fair. I don't think we that's should start fair. at the top. So then I guess I, I mentioned Tower of Fantasy. We're talking about China. Uh, this was the year where I got into uh, Tower of Fantasy anime gotcha game. Um, and I was really, really into it. And then the game like, deeply betrayed me with its financial systems. Um, and, I, and I fell off. Um, but I mean, I think there's still something there. I think there's like a perfect balance to this that people just aren't striking because I think what's happening is a lot of games are trying to get rich quick and trying to like optimize their whales. But then what the problem is, is like in the same way that like when you ban people off Twitter, they have like no one to own in, in, in video games. If the whales don't have noobs to defeat and to own then there's like no point to the game for them either. It, it's 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 still like a flaunting thing. So like I think the problem with a lot of gacha games are they're like they're so obsessed with catering to those whales that the game just be, player base just falls off. And so I think there's I think when China perfects that balance and if they let me really get behind the reins there, um, we're gonna create something that's so financially evil and also really fun to play. Yeah, I mean. This kind of was like a big just year of gotcha games because like Genshin continued to surge. Mm -hmm. Tower Fantasy happened and there's a couple other ones. I think that there's I think it is like we've got Blue Protocol coming down the yeah. pipeline uh, this year. It's another big one. And I think there is there is the whale dynamic that that is true. And there's also this like I mean, it's this, you know, it's the same reason why I bet on I do sports betting and shit. Right. Like there just is this like you can talk yourself into you're telling me there's a chance on a lot of stuff. And when you hang that around a fun game, that's like fun to interact with, then the calculus becomes, Oh, well, I'm going to have fun playing 30 minutes of this game that I like doing a dungeon run. 
Plus, maybe I'll stick around for a couple more because if I do four dungeon runs and play for two hours and I have four bites of the apple on this like wheel spin gotcha treasure bonus or whatever. Um, And I think there's something to that, especially because I think grindy games. Uh, This is like to think about a, a bigger pattern of the market, but like grinding is sort of in some cases fair in some cases doubling down on their nature it's like people who like grindy games are getting very grindy games but there's not as many medium grindy games out there and i think part of that is that people just don't want to spend that much time on it and so it's easier to do a gotcha thing where it's like um uh hey you don't have to grind it out necessarily like it's possible you'll just like spin the thing and get the sword you want today as opposed to having to you know do 900 battles or whatever mm-hmm yeah, I, I think there's been a lot of like failures this year in terms of like the battle pass, the gotcha. This kind of leads us to like another one, which is like Overwatch 2 being re-released this year was a big story uh, and people being like continually unhappy still with like the battle pass uh, holding off heroes and stuff. It's 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 interesting because I, I think that like it's it is amazing that we do get to play a lot of these games for free um it's really cool but if there are certain things that make it so frustrating that the population player base doesn't stick around or you know like, that's just that's the main thing that will happen for x amount of reasons um that that be, that becomes kind of like shitty but i think there is a way to to, to balance it because you know when i played overwatch one like they they had a bunch of microtransaction stuff, but if you played the game enough, you never needed to spend money on it. You always were able to just earn enough. It was that right level of rewarding for everyone. So it's possible. Yeah, I, I mean, it, the, those games can be really super duper fun. Um, it's just like the problem that you've that you've pointed out on, on the show and, and just in talking about it, that like it becomes really easy to fall into the trap of money spending in the way that it becomes, you know, not just money spending, but like random wheel spending and stuff in a way that just becomes draggy and sort of takes you out of it. And also like the flip side to that, like speed of acquisition thing I was mentioning is that you don't get those moments of, you know, like, oh shit, I really grinded out the thing and got my big reward that I like earned and feel good about. For sure. like, you don't get yeah. those moments. Uh, and then way. so, yeah, like Overwatch came out. People are kind of upset that they're like locking heroes behind a certain amount of like money or like insane grind and stuff. Um, and then, you know, this was also the year, looking through our episode list, this was also the year of like Blizzard uh, and like uh, just a lot of different people trying to buy each other, companies going through sexual harassment allegations, just like everything kind of about the industry being like officially kind of like Soy. soiled and kind of like reprehensible. <laughs> yeah. And soy. And most importantly, soy. Yeah. The way that they do, the way that they do their sexual harassment is very soy. Yeah, it's so true. Um, it's just like they do the big open mouth and the thumbnail and they're just like, yeah, walks, what are you doing after work? Someone walks by and they're just like, ah! Yeah, uh, yeah. And everyone feels wildly uncomfortable. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like, sorry, that's just what the algorithm wants. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sorry, I'm trying to get clicks. Um, no, but like, it's true. I mean, this was a weird year, I think, because this was a year where like the means of production became like very inseparable from the stuff that was coming out that the <laughs> circumstances around making it, the conditions in which people were working, making it that the like materials they needed to make it and processes through which they were going were all made very public, right? Like this is uh to do a quick marketing tour, right? Like there's this whole thing about alienation and commodity fetishism where we like, did, like sort of, forget that you know people forget that stuff is made by people and just they, i think of things as just appearing kind of out of the ether like there's no thought of like who the who made the thing that you you know who made my microphone who made euro where the chair came from whatever and i think this is an interesting year for games because this is a year where it became i built the chair it came in the i came from a box and then i built right, it but someone put it in the box you know what? we don't have to do that we don't have to follow that one all the way back Oh, oh and that's where, where, where boxes come from is a religious question <laughs> that I'm not willing to, to broach. See, and, and I am ag- I'm agnostic on the question. Griffin, that was actually in some ways a very good performance of the idea of commodity fetishism. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like there's there's all of that. Right. And so 
we've had this year that was very interesting because it really confronted the broad, like obviously this is the thing that you and I have talked about the show a lot of like labor issues in, in gaming and how games get made. But like this brought this year brought like a butt to the forefront for like the general gaming public, whether it's like the blizzard thing or all the crunch conversations. Um, the, you know, a good example being like the, the growth of cyberpunk 2022 or 2077. And it's like afterlife as like, we saw the ramifications of the crunch then saw its growth after that. Um, That's a big story. Yeah. And like, I think this year has been really fascinating because like we've actually been for like, not just we, but like people in general have been forced to confront like, Hey, sometimes the game, people like the games you like suck ass. Sometimes the ways in which the games you like get made is bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's been a very fascinating thing to watch the broader gaming community interact with. Yeah. And then also it seems like people are more willing to uh, shit on like the way the business is run if they believe the current state of the game isn't good either. <laughs> and that sometimes uh, the gamer audience might be a little fickle with some of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, get but- their asses, but you're absolutely right that people are willing to overlook quite a lot of bad shit. Um, uh, yeah, or, the or, yeah, or just like there, really like there's like a temperature game. where it's like much easier to shit on it when the game is in a bad state. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I don't know, um, but you know, whatever. Like, um, we're reviewing it. We're 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 co tandem reviewing uh, the modded version of Harry Potter. Um, so stay tuned for that. Uh, what's it called? Um, this brings me kind of to, you mentioned cyberpunk. So we should talk about sort of gamer TV for a second, because this was the end of G4, uh, G4 as a, as a, as a, as a revitalized resurrected project crashed and burned, uh, Halo, the TV show. Uh, had about three or four fans, one of which was me, got, and then uh, got to a, pretty much got to a good start, kind of fell off. IMO crashed and burned, <laughs> um, and and then on the other end, though, there was this anime uh, based on cyberpunk video game that completely breathed new life into the actual game in a way we've really never seen before in cross media, and unfortunately, seems like maybe fortunately and unfortunately seems like something that was so successful that 2023 and 2024 we're about to see like 50 different people attempt that with their own video game tv show tie-ins and like i don't think most of those are gonna suck yeah i mean the fact that we got two good animated video game shows because arcane was also very good even if it was less explicitly mm. a league of legend show it was still very much league of legend show um and so I do think you're right that we're like going to start running into this thing. Whereas I, as, as like comic book IPs start to get all eaten up and like reboots start to get all eaten up the next, the, the easiest space to cannibalize is gaming, especially because gaming is like gaming is kind of built for this in many video or video games themselves are kind of built for this in many ways because the way modern games are written is such that they imply a lot of lore and imply a lot of story without around the core story that you're playing so it's really sort of a there is this kind of canvas for people to work off of where it's like there's a world there's like stuff we know and we can sort of play in the margins of those stories um yes or we can do backstory for characters who don't get fleshed out like the arcane stuff or whatever um those options mm-hmm. are there but you're absolutely right i think that in a lot of cases they're going to be bad and stupid <laughs> <laughs> well I'll, I'll say that you know it was, all of these were started from a really, really amazing choice to have the plot opening of Rise of Skywalker happen in Fortnite. Yes, that was sort of the inception. I, that was the moment. That was that was patient zero of this grand experiment, and that was such a success that it's been. I think it's been impossible to stop that momentum. Every time I think about that, it, it's so it good. shatters my mind. It's like. It's it, like I was like, what, what if I didn't have a, a podcast to talk about this about? Like that that was one of the moments where I was like, this, I'm so glad that we do yeah, this. For sure. this. This is this is why we this is why we play. Especially it's really it's really at that triple intersection of like things we love to talk about of like a movie doing something stupid. They, they games announced something they, they have stuff crucial lore like crude, not backstory, crucial lore in a Fortnite announcement. Yeah. That is then referenced in the actual film, but there's no and you, there's no way to connect the two the, unless you've experienced the Fortnite announcement. Yeah, the 
people who made that movie decided that it right. was better. It would be a better movie choice. Do you think they decided or do you think that this was like a series of accidents? It may have been a series of accidents because it is super inexplicable to think of people making a movie being like, all right, so we could start the movie with some people doing their normal thing. And then this crazy emperor broadcast comes out and people react to it. Or uh -huh. we could start this movie with a wall of text that includes that the emperor is back. Yeah, the emperor has logged in to the Fortnite lobby. He's doing the backpack emote. Yeah, I think um, emperor is tight. What I yeah, I, I see it that way. Where it they Fortnite saw a late late cut of the film, but not the final cut. And in like that cut, they like had an opening scene with like iconic scene of him like coming back to life or something. Um, but then that got removed. And of course, all the branding, they didn't update some third party organization that's doing their product tie and they're like, fuck you, we're busy. And I'm either I'm at lunch. That's me. That's Disney. I'm at lunch. <laughs> that's how it works over there, folks. A little behind the curtain on how it works. Um, and so I think there was just like a lack of coordination because I just don't believe that J.J. Abrams was like, I believe that Fortnite is the current metaverse and the way to start the story with crucial information. Yeah, I don't know if it was that, but I do think it was like I, I it was either the thing you're describing or it was like. This calculation of, well, we'll just put that the Emperor's back in the crawl, so we don't need this, like, put in Fortnite, which is still an insane mm -hmm. and bad mm -hmm. choice. Um, but anyway, that was years ago, but I'm still mad about it. But things happened this year, too, that were I, interesting. I, I feel like Fortnite has, like, scraped the sky so hard so many times, like... Uh, I went, but but Fortnite has been oddly quiet this year. I mean, they did a big graphics update, so like now, uh, you know, the one percent of the players that play on like an a PC and not on like a toilet phone um, can like up their update their graphics. But I feel like this year was from Fortnite. You know, they're allowed to have an off season. Well, they had a couple. Year, I they had a couple big events this year. Wasn't the MLK thing this year? No, no, no. MLK was last year, wasn't Maybe it? it was. That MLK feels like MLK. MLK feels firmly pandemic brain. Yeah, that's true. But it also does feel uh, like pandemic brain. I think pandemic brain also comes back every like couple months, so it's hard for me to distinguish time sometimes. No, I think that I was worried that I think that people have collectively decided the four or five accounts on Twitter that are still acting like it's the pandemic are not to be taken seriously. Yeah, I mean, but you know, there are surges. Like all my all, all my friends be having COVID now. Right, 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 right. But like the 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 the, ins the insistence and the hysteria yeah, well, on like that we ha that we need to be changing a massive part of what we're doing currently um, as the number one priority. As though that ship has already like, mega sailed. Yeah, as if the, exactly. It's like yeah, look around you, my friend, and just it's, a, it's an endemic problem now, not an epidemic problem. So just like deal with it. Yeah, uh, owned. That was our most organic ad read of all time. I liked, um, it must have been a huge problem for it to be number three. Like, do you wonder I mean, I think, how much that sucked? I think it was, right? Because it was like they did the Revolutionary War and it was pretty normal for like the right. soldiers to go into a town and be like, I live in your house. What's number four? I think that's search and no. Uh, five is search and seizure. What is the fourth amendment? Let me look. Yeah, because it's like you really have to think of these as like priorities. Of like, all right, what's what do we got to get done first? You're like, all right, you should be able to say what you want, sure. And then it's like second amendment is like you should be able to, uh, you know, wear a giant yeah, fourth, hat. Fourth is fourth is search and seizure. Okay, so people were like getting searched and seized, like like people's shit was getting like stolen and searched less. This is this is, you know this is an argument against TSA folks. OK, uh, it was even less of a problem then over yeah, well, I mean, guys coming into your house and hanging out. Yeah, I mean, I think it was sort of this thing where it's like First Amendment, freedom of speech, because that caused like the freedom of speech stuff caused a bunch of problems with and That's why the revolution happened. Second <laughs> Amendment, right to bear arms, because like we got to figure out what to do with all these guns that happened during the Revolutionary War. Third Amendment. <laughs> I get that you guys don't like that when we were moving the army around, we kept having them stay in random people's houses 
we're not gonna do that anymore. Oh my! It's like I imagine like one of the guys who's like writing the amendments is at the meeting who like comes up with the amendment and brings it up. He's like, yeah, I think the third one should be like that. Guys, like shouldn't be like allowed to live in your house. And then like they're like, okay, yeah, yeah, the meeting's over. He like goes back to his house and he's like hanging his coat up. He turns and there's like ten guys and he's like, how was work? And he's like, fine. Like, yeah, I, 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 there's like think a sketch. There's like a bit here. There's a sketch here that I kind of like of like the guy being like. We should make sure that you can't have soldiers just can't just stay in your house and have sex with your wife. <laughs> everyone's like, well, I mean, we can't really ban the second part. And he's like, we should ban the second part, I think. I think we should make it so soldiers can't come to your house and have sex with your wife. Soldiers shouldn't be allowed to always have the pick of what, what's on the TV. <laughs> yeah, soldier, soldiers shouldn't get to choose what you make for dinner when they come stay at your house. I think, um, yeah, there's a... Uh, there's a lot of great history. That's what I'm learning here in DC now. You know, I when I walked, um, I walked the the National Mall, I think yesterday or two days ago, and uh, it was beautiful. It was just me and the me and the and the European tourists, and it's just so incredible because the reflecting pool had frozen over. And, oh yeah, it's always really nice. And little toddlers were like walking all over it, and it was like incredibly thin ice that was like hold and melting in places. And I was, just, it was, just, it was amazing to see. Yeah, we love that. Have you gone to the National Archive yet? Where sh- or the what is it? I think it's the National Archive where a bunch of people just wait in line to go see the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, and then some rooms with shelves. Damn. Uh, well, in their defense, the room that holds the the Declaration is pretty cool looking. I think. Yes. I think it's a cool it's room. Uh, I do. There's a couple cool rooms in there, but it's funny how much of that place is just shelves. Yeah, I do want to. I do want to go there. Um, and then I, we did go. We walked up to, to saw the Lincoln Memorial. And then you know what's funny about the Lincoln Memorial is it's like the main thing is just the walk up, the steep stairs. Once you're at the top, you see the Lincoln. You're like cool. And then there's like these bit his speech. The four score speech is on the side on, on both sides of the wall and giant giant letters. And I'm reading this thing. This has got to be one of the worst speeches ever. It's like a long email that's repetitive. Like the, some of the worst sentences, you know, it starts strong, but then you get into it. It's like, there's like, and I have said again that I will continue to say like, just, I don't know. It feels a little bit like a Kamala speech. Some very, yeah. Well, it's funny because I think this is going to sound very rude. I think that speech was written with very like classic, like Aristotelian rhetoric style in mind. Mm-hmm. And when Kamala does the exact same thing, it's because like she forgot what she was talking about. Right, 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 right. Yeah, man. You know, <laughs> but the but the end result is pretty much the same. Maybe maybe they maybe they had similar vibes. Um, that's that's how I'd like to think of Lincoln. <laughs> You'd like to think that Lincoln had Kamala Harris vibes. We we did it. Wait, who's who's like someone that he Abe could have been calling like back then? Uh, the general. Yeah, yeah. Like we did it, Ulysses. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, Ulysses, we did it. So, four score and seven years. Or, well, wait, was it seven? Fuck. Yeah, you nailed it. Four okay. score, seven years. What? A, that's a great, great, like I said, great start. It's all downhill from there, folks. Don't read the speech. Just vibe vibe on the history. That's my you'll advice. Dis- you'll get disillusioned with our tallest hatted president. And then, and, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's get back to games. Um, let's get Semper Games, baby. Uh, okay. So I think we should start getting into, we talked a lot about a lot of, a lot of big moments in, in, in the year, and there really wasn't a ton. Is there anything that you think we missed before we get into maybe some, let's just say we have a runner up game and then we have our game of the year. How about that? Okay. You want to do two? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, no, let's get into them. Um, you want me to start or you want to go first? Uh, you can start it off. All right, so this is a, a late entry. This was like a real... It felt like it was going to be some of that, like right under the like yeah. Indiana Jones temple door kind of stuff. Yeah, like real Royal Rumble number 30 entrance situation. Like, I had a, What's that reference? Uh, they're wrestling. There's, there's 30 guys and they come in one at a time and the 30th guy is the last guy. That's actually called Bukaki. Yeah, some people call it Bukaki. Some people call it WWE's Royal Rumble, but it's all the Number same. Number 30. <laughs> yeah. But um, 
But yeah, it's um this game that I just finished, uh a a sort of old school JRPG remake. Like not remake, an old school JRPG sort of like tribute game. Mm-hmm. Uh Chained Echoes, I think, is probably my number two. I mm. fucking fell so hardcore in love with this game from like the second I booted it up. Um, have had nothing but a ton of fun playing it. It's got a really great story, really fun characters, uh, in the really classic sort of like Chrono Trigger, early Final Fantasy sort of way, where you're going around, you're meeting lots of different people. Everyone has their own little clear like arc and story. There's a lot of fun lore. There's a lot of fun NPCs. This shit's looking a little bit like uh, Golden Sun to me at times, but it's got a different art style, but it's got a nice vibe to it. I like it. It's got some Golden Sun stuff going on. It's got a lot. Is is this on the Switch? uh, I got it on the Steam. I got it on the PlayStation, actually. I got it on the PlayStation. Oh, Oh, shit. You're big screening this? Are you insane? Yeah, it's on the Switch. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it is, but I was was big screening it because I was... um, doing the thing that I do or I do a little bit of work and play a little bit of a game at the same time. And so I like to have that on the big screen so I can work on the computer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and, and you can say that now because now I can't fire you when before I had full firing capabilities. Yeah. But also before you knew I was doing that. <laughs> um, uh, so the, the, um, yeah, I, I thought it was super duper fucking fun. And it's like one thing about it that I really loved is the story has like some density and some serious ideas in it and Mm -hmm. unwinds with a nice pace, but also the mechanics like, okay. So there's a couple things mechanically that I think you'll be very into. One is that you refill HP and spell points after every fight. Um, like you go into every fight fully decked out. Oh, okay. Nice. Interesting. Uh, which means, and then also you don't grind. You, so you don't grind experience. Um, because the the way you level up, there's two ways. You, there's two ways to level up. You get skill points for every fight, but you only get a few, and they build up pretty fast. It doesn't really matter. And then the way you primarily level up is getting grimoire shards, which you get by either beating a boss or just like getting further in the game, or like mm-hmm. doing a big mini boss fight. And so there's not a ton of grinding because the it's like the, the Sekiro style. I like that. Yeah. yeah. So it does that. So that's all all really fun, and then it introduces a lot of mechanics as you go and like damn i might new, get this new Fuck. play styles and new guys as you go so like at one point you know like two-thirds of the way through the game you get a guy whose thing is like tanking for other people and being like a damage draw lure guy and they're like this is an entirely new type of guy you can build around or even like the last person i unlocked had their own mechanic set plus wow. eventually you get to have a mech uh like about a th- halfway through the game you get a like a uh, you get mechs you could fly around in Listeners, do yourselves a favor and watch the trailer to this game. It looks really good. Yeah. The art style is kind of that sweet spot for me. Yeah. I just thought everything about it was super fun. I didn't like, I got to think it was going to be kind of like a throwaway fun little, like I'll play a couple yeah. hours every so often right. kind of game. And I just like fucking head down, burn through it. I Wait, love it's, it. It's only 25 bucks. So how long is it? Um, I want to say, I don't know. I probably got like 40 hours on it. Dang, that's a, this is a huge steal, folks. What a what a great what a great wreck. It also has fun this fun thing that I liked a lot called the rewards board, where every area you go to, this like little board expands, and every step on the board is like a challenge. Mm-hmm. And the longer you build your chain of connected challenges, the more different rewards you get. And so it's fun because like there's like a I remember there was a part where I needed a certain like special item, right? That you get through mm-hmm. the reward board. And it was like, oh, I have this chain of six rewards that's one thing away from my main chain. So I can just connect them. Then I get the reward I want. What do I have to do? Oh, I have to survive a fight with three giants without using my mech. Well, like, okay, I'm going to go, like, figure out how to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so stuff like that makes the game really fun because there's, like, these a ton of these tiny little quests scattered throughout and then there's a few side quests but mostly it's just like straight line story Mm -hmm. um and so you're playing this really great story with like mini side quests you can do whatever you want there's unique mini bosses you can track down there's a lot of extra stuff you can do but you can also just burn forward and so it's pretty uh like i don't know for me to like check all the boxes plus like you got a lot of cool characters a lot of like commentary about how the world works and you know 
lots of sacrifice it looks like the, the greater good switch game. it looks like a great rpg like this is just a solid solid wreck um i'm, I'm yeah. actually i mean uh me and uh gretchen have been uh watching all of naruto so this might be the perfect thing for me to play on the switch while we're watching naruto i would go well with naruto looks like a great combo um i'd also like to plug naruto <clears throat> um well that's a great one um should i should i do one uh yeah do your do your second or your second place do your honorable mention my honorable mention wow well my the the first one was the easy one i, I won't say it yet but the honorable mention there was two that were kind of tied it was actually the tougher to pick um because I was going to say World of Warcraft Dragonflight um, because it has transformed the game into something that's a lot better than the directions they were going. It's always incredible to see that there's still tricks up that up that game's sleeve and that it's going to be relevant for years to come. Um, but I'm going to have to give runner up to God of War Ragnarok. Uh, you know, for all of my complaints, it is probably the best feeling combat action game I've ever played. Uh, there are some moments in the game that I like legitimately like shouted out in awe slash joy at like what I was doing on screen. And there was some moments that were like capital G gaming moments that uh, will sit with me. It's unfortunate it's wrapped in sort of like a like a big bacon wrap of shit. Um, but God damn, when that game pops, does it pop? Yeah, I mean, yes, 100 percent. I'm still still dealing with it's like kind of intermittent dragginess action like that dynamic but when it's going it fucking goes it's so mm -hmm. fun and it's yeah. big moments there's a final sequence towards the end that i won't describe at all but is is you'll know it when you see it and it's kind of just this moment where they're just like they did kind of just like lay it all out everything that like development team has built up until this point in like one beautiful like moment and just like yeah like i'm i'm I, they got they're they're doing something special over there unfortunately i feel like they're sort of their sort of heady sort of intellectual nature with their narratives is actually kind of poisoning the good game that they're making at, at some point yeah um, well, i think sometimes they just can't they're just trying to they're they're biting off too big a chunk sometimes yeah. Yeah, totally. A hundred percent. But I still I put a ton of hours into it and I got to give it up for what they did with that game. And the fact that I was able to play one of the best action combat games of all time at like 90 to 100 frames per second in variable rates of two to 4K. Pretty cool as well. Pretty, that's pretty fucking sick for sure. Um, that's a very cool thing. Yeah, I mean, I've never seen a console do anything close to that before. So you, you got to shout that out as well. Um, so that's my runner up. All right. Um, well, I will go with my number one. OK, wow. Is um, it, was this hard for you or, you know, no, or? I, I thought it was going to be. I made. Mm. I Mine was easy. Here's what I did. I made a list to be like, I don't want to forget anything that I liked a lot. And then I looked at my list and I was like, I don't know why I made this list. The answer is obvious. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, cause okay. it's Elden, it's Elden Ring for me, baby. Nice. Um, I just think that every problem that you've had with it, that you've articulated, especially at the end game and the way it kind of stat locks you is totally fucking true. Like, I don't want to like neglect that there are like some, some substantial flaws to like the way the end game works, but it just gives you such a big fun world to run around in populated with so many fun little characters up until about the last like 10 ish hours. You really do have a ton of play style flexibility. Uh, and can do a lot of different fun stuff. It's true. It looks fucking awesome. The story, the story and storytelling style is a blast. Like, I love that there are parts where like there are sometimes where like something happens. I'm like, don't care. And like, don't have to look into it. Doesn't matter. And then there's sometimes the thing happens and I go, oh, I want to know so much about this. And so like, it's so there to dig into item descriptions and the lore to, to find the answers. Um, and yeah, I just thought it was so fun, so cool. Uh, it's hard. It's a hard game. It's a very difficult game at points. But like, yeah, I just think that it is. I also think it's like just such a fucking achievement. Like, mm -hmm. I think that they developed the style of storytelling and gameplay that is like the Soulsborne style that's been copied endlessly. Um, and 
they took that and be, to be able to open world it without losing a lot of the flavor and tension that defines that style is like incredible to me. Um, I think it's definitely so, a game that's like bursting with creativity and there's just so much there. Like you mentioned the little guys and it's like, yeah, like there's just so many enemies, so many bosses, so many areas and experiences in that map. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of really amazing stuff there. Yeah. And I think I, I, mean, I know it's like a chalk ass answer. Like it's like who's going to win the World Series, the Yankees or whatever. But yeah, like, I mean, but you got to give was it just up. Such a fucking banger of a game. It blew my fucking yeah. mind. I thought I thought it was also really cool how it did, you know, it was so good that people tried to play multiplayer and like I did I did play multiplayer once or twice with people, even though it was clunky and like not perfect. Uh, it just showed how pe- how into it people were. And like when people are that into a game, that's really something special. Um, I think uh, I think in a lot of ways, a lot of the story was probably superior to most other games because it, it like bit off exactly what it wanted to chew. Yeah. Um, which is uh, pretty cool. Uh, I think um I tend to like find Dark Souls to be kind of telling the same story every time. And I liked uh, I like kind of like the more varied versions of like Sekiro and stuff like that more in the, in the narrative department as well. How they like in Sekiro, they're like, we're going to challenge ourselves with like a lot of mysteries, but like more direct cinematic storytelling this time and yeah. um, stuff and like I thought, that. I thought with Elden Ring, it was cool because they took a lot of the same sort of no future slash like uh like sort of irreparability of the world and what do we do when everything is consumed like like the there's like haunt like everything like the hauntology stuff and all the like mark fisher themes and stuff and they took all those ideas that are in every dark souls game and really broaden them out and give you a lot of different ways to access them and so like it wasn't dark i totally agree that dark souls one two three like really repeat themselves and this didn't feel like repeating itself so much as like expanding on it. Like it's like, you know, this is a silly comp- uh, comparison, but it's like it's like the first three games were like your communist manifesto. And then like Elden Ring was like your DOS capital. Like it was just like the ideas expanded out in such huge ways. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I thought that was super fucking fun. And then and then uh, Sekiro is more like art of the deal. Sekiro is more like like, uh, Marx's response to the young Hegelians where it's like, yeah, this is cool. It's pretty different (laughs) than all the other stuff, but it's cool that you did it. I'm hashtag Uh, here for it. I think Elden Ring will be a lot like uh, Elden Ring 2. It's going to be a lot like Logan Paul's uh, Crypto Camp. Yes, I think that is the direction we're going. That's my thought. Uh, so, yeah, like uh, a really good game. And, the, the, you know, as we talk about it and as we kind of r- round the year out and as I don't have anything left to play on my console currently, I did like recently get the Elden Ring itch again. Just like the morbid curiosity to be like, well, maybe now I have the stamina to like grind out that last 15 levels and like invest in mana or whatever the fuck I have to do to like summon shit. Uh, you know, so I'm getting the itch again because I do want to see the end of the game. So we'll see if I end up doing that or if I end up like just re-rolling the story from the beginning with like an easy class and like having a way more fun time. We'll have to yeah. see. Uh, yeah. Well, then what was your G-O-T-Y? Folks, this was something that like was like weirdly in like a part of the year that I didn't remember, but then it was so obvious once I saw it on our podcast library list. This is like by far and away the most transcendent, uh, transcendent and just like incredible experience I've had in gaming this year. And that's Raft, baby. The game. Oh, I forgot Raft. about your, I forgot about R-A-F-T, Raft, Raft, Raft. The Raft arc was real. And I'm reminding everyone one last time to take that journey. And Lux, we should do some sort of stream now as I'm getting more settled in DC where we try a Raft campaign together. It's It's really special. Yeah, I mean, I'm down to try, uh, especially the Steam Deck is going to make it a lot easier for me to do that kind of stuff. That'd be really because, cool. Well, because I think one problem, well, I mean, no problem we we have run into with trying to stream together is that when you run on your PC, I only have access to so many games. But now that I have the Steam Deck, anything that's not super crazy hard to run, I can probably just do. That'd be really fucking cool. Um, it'd be interesting to see what that would be like on a Steam Deck. Uh, but honestly, there's it, there's not that many it's pretty clean UI, so it should be pretty easy. Is Steam Deck touchscreen? Can be. 
Nice. That's really cool. Uh, so the raft is amazing for a lot of different reasons. It's like it's amazing for a lot of the specifics in the game, but it's also amazing on the grander narrative of like what a survival game can do in uh, in this like next era, because like survival games are starting to get really popular. Rust was really huge for like the Twitch community. Um, there's been a lot of other uh, survival games out there that have kind of been sprinkled out over the last couple of years. Um, Ark has a huge uh, fan base. But I feel like they still haven't really been able to like tap in to an experience that a lot of people can access. They're usually very hardcore. Something about the designs are clunky or it's like, oh, this is actually only fun if you like really dive into a lot of weird forums that like 300 people read. Uh, Raft, I think, is the first time to make them experience more mainstream and, and and really take it and show you like, wow, I think survival is going to be the big genre of the future. Um, I think what Blizzard does with survival and with their survival game is going to be massive. Uh, and Raft is just kind of like the start or the promise of that. Yeah, well, it does feel like survival games. It does. It does. Survival games do have a unique thing where like there's always tension um, and that's just so fun to watch as someone watching a stream or like and, to and a deep sense of accomplishment when you do survive. I think video games yeah. are too, too off, often too rewarding, but something about the survival makes you feel like you've earned everything. Like I built that. That's why one of my close competitors for my, my honor mention was uh, the, the Warhammer 40k group shooter Dark Tide. Um, because once you get up into like the level three, level four, like difficulty missions, like my friends and I will play them all together and we'll get on the extract extraction ship and I'll just be like, oh my God, like I cannot, I cannot believe we got out of there. And it's the same kind of thing with, with Raph where like you do where, with any survival game where like that mo like the a game that can build that much tension and release is exciting for players and for groups and also people to watch. And because watching is such a part of gaming now. Uh, I think that's you're totally right. That's going to be a huge part of games coming out in the next couple of years. And Raft seems like a really fun one, particularly because it's the start of people looking at survival and not just going, what's a different place you can survive? But like, what's a different way you can survive? Mm -hmm. Like, it's not just survival in cold place, survival in zombie place, survival in dinosaur place. It's survival with both. Right. Yeah. And I think what was really important about 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 Raft was is like um, that you're building a, a ship that then is also the vessel that carries you around. So you're kind of like building your home and it's also mobile and you're constantly protecting your home and kind of str streamlined a few parts of survival games that are have a lot of travel in them where it's like, oh, yeah. no, everything's kind of like streamlined here. And then, I mean, for people who don't remember or haven't heard of the game before, um, you start out with just a on, on an ocean with a few planks underneath you and you start pulling in trash from the ocean to start building out a boat and building out all the utilities and water purifiers and engines and generators and steering wheels and sails and stuff. And uh, there's a shark that circles around and attacks every couple minutes. And it's it's a fun game because, you know, you feel so accomplished going from just having a tiny raft to having this amazing boat that you've designed over time. But you also have this kind of like love hate relationship with the shark um that i think is a really fun because i think in other games other survival games your stuff just falls apart because nature degrades it but like in this it's like a character embodies it it's like the shark is fucking your thing up yeah. and you can fight it if you want to <laughs> um so it has that amazing stuff going for it it has all the a lot of other stuff you might have seen other survival games but i think the the, the place where it went from like really good survival game to like next level was in its narrative um i had no idea there was going to be a massive narrative to this game and there there really is uh as you start to get stronger in the game, you get all these radio signals, which take you to certain islands. Um, and each island has um, a story and also a new platforming puzzle. And then they take each one of those platforming puzzles and layer them onto each other in future islands till you're like 
dealing with like not only like a narrative that you're excited to see the end of and is very mysterious and alluring, but also like combining all these different platformer techniques that the game taught you over time. So there's there's just a, so much packed into this thing. It's funny because the way you've talked about it has always been really interesting to me because it looks so lightweight and sort of singular whenever I've like watched footage or seen a trailer or anything. Right. It could almost just be like a, like a sim or something like that. Like, uh, but, but because most people, I don't think play to the end or something. I don't know. Yeah. But, it, but every time you talk about it, it sounds so fucking dense, which is a really interesting tension and something I'm very curious about. I mean, it's not Skyrim, but you don't expect from the get look of the game for there to be this like mystery with characters and stuff that you're following up on and like following through on. And, um, there's a few locations that the narrative takes you to that are that that are like yeah. sort of video game awe moments like, oh, whoa. Uh, so uh, I think, yeah, a, a big surprise, a pleasant surprise. It's probably like 20 bucks or something. Highly recommend playing it where you can. And um, a really, really fun game to play with friends. Yeah, you can play it really easily. I suggest if you do play it with friends to play it on like, I think it's easy mode, which sounds like baby mode, but it's it's still going to be hard. Um, you don't want to play with like friends on on normal. I think it's I think I did that with my brother. And then I think we didn't talk for a few weeks after that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, man. well, that's um, a that's a great choice, yeah. a good a good very <clears throat> Griffin pull from the ether of a of a game. Gotta do it. I gotta do it. Respect to Elden Ring, but Raft was the one this year. Hey, you know, different strokes, different folks, and sometimes strokes push the raft. If you know what I mean, paddling. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, yep, it didn't. I made a lot more sense in my head, and I really had to try to get it together on the outs. But hey, it's been a great. Another year of doing Game Boys. What a blast. It's been such a great year. You replaced me multiple times. I replaced you multiple times. Some weeks we missed. Some weeks we posted later. Some weeks we posted too. It's a turbulent. It was a turbulent year. It was a turbulent year. I think everything's about to... (coughs) Sorry. Settle down. I'm going to die and then things will settle down. Yeah. So we're all looking forward to that. Um, any any predictions? Uh, my predictions: I'm going to die, uh, and uh, and I think my other predictions: you know, we're finally going to get some sort of Griffin Lux uh, game that we that we stream that we play together online. I think so. I think we can make that happen because um, I'd really love to stretch my streaming out so it's less me going to Forest House and having to deal with that all the time, and more me at my house where I can just relax. Um, On the Steam Deck, insane. Yeah, streaming from a Steam Deck. Wow, that's. The height of privilege. Yeah. Well, we'll see how that all works out. Um, but yeah, I think that's true. I think they're going to have more fun doing the show. Thank you, everyone, for for listening and for sending nice messages when you have or for doing nice reviews or for sharing the show. Means a lot. Um, so and we're, and we're going to keep doing it because, you know, like I said last episode, I don't have a big social circle now. Yeah. And we don't work together slash do the same shit all the time. So we need a, a reason to make sure to check in and hang out every week. So this checks a lot of good boxes. And I guarantee you, if not, if it wasn't for me, no one would have thought of the game Raft this week. So you're all and welcome. So that's why we have to keep doing it, is so people can hear about the, the game Raft on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, all right. And, and here, tipping my hat to 2023, everyone stay safe out yeah, there. Yeah, have a good new year. We'll see you guys in the next year.